This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 477 with Bevan Walters. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 477. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Bevan Walters is a shameless mom of four, an ACPI certified parenting coach, and the founder of The 3D Parent, where she is a supportive and nurturing champion for bringing dignity, direction, and deep connection to family relationships. She's always had a passion for working with children and their families. She began her professional career as an elementary school teacher and taught in a variety of educational settings for 10 years. Between having her four children, Bevan and a close colleague developed an educational program for young children and caregivers called Gem Tots, which focused on connecting children to their caregivers by learning, playing, and exploring together. Bevan also created Character Works, a social-emotional learning program that ran for three years in the Seattle Public School District, combining character education, performing arts, and parental support. Now Bevan focuses on helping parents build stronger relationships with their children. In addition to coaching one-on-one clients, she runs parenting workshops, speaks on a variety of topics relevant to parenting, talks about how to parent your teens and tweens, because she runs the gamut from toddler to tween in her house to teen in her household, and she's a regular guest on local news stations, as well as the host of the 3D Parent Podcast. 
In addition to all of that, she is often found on stage performing in local regional theaters, singing and spending time with her family. I got to see her in Mamma Mia last summer and oh my gosh, it was so much fun. So to give you a little context about how this conversation came about, Bevan actually was a podcast coaching client of mine. I helped her launch her podcast, The 3D Parent, which is a phenomenal show. I want you to go subscribe, download, listen, rate and review the show because it's so good. And I've actually been on the show. We talked about one of our struggles with parenting on the show. And I'm just a huge fan of Bevan's work. So Bevan launched her podcast after our work together, which was really, really fun. And then after that, as I was listening to her show, because I'm a raving fan of the show, I was really, really excited to hear that she had a conversation with her son on her show about his coming out. And I thought, what a gift that her son was open to sharing this conversation and sharing his journey. And that Bevan opened up her platform to have this conversation because I knew it would help so many families. So I reached out to Bevan afterwards and I asked if she and her son Scooter would be open to her sharing this story a little bit with the audience here in the Shameless Mom Academy. And I'm so grateful that Bevan and Scooter said yes, that it would be okay for Bevan to come on the show to talk about Scooter's journey. It was really important to me and I made it really clear to Bevan in my interactions when I reached out, I said, I wanna make sure that you know anything we talk about, of course, that Scooter's giving consent with, I recognize this is his story that we'll be talking about. And so talk it over with him and we'll take it from there. So Scooter said yes, he was so kind and sweet. And this is a kid with such a big heart. And he was definitely open to his mom having this conversation, knowing that it would help other kids like him. This conversation is so important and so beautiful. And I'm just truly honored that Scooter gave his consent for his mom to share the story with you. I know it's going to impact other families. I know it's going to impact how you all parent. I know it's going to impact how we support our children in coming out or how we support our children's friends. I just know that the ripples are going to be large. And I know that's why Scooter said yes. So I really want to honor Scooter and Bevan for being open to sharing this conversation with the world. So listen in to hear Bevan share why all parents should prepare for their child's potential coming out, the story of her son coming out at age 12, what went well, and what she flubbed up in the initial coming out conversation with Scooter, how she apologized and owned her missteps, and how all parents can better model apologizing skills, how her son's peers reacted to his coming out, why you should trust your child's instincts around their sexual orientation and their coming out process, how she's navigating her son's sexual orientation within her Catholic community, and what it was like attending Pride Fest after Scooter came out. There are so many poignant moments in this conversation and just so many lessons learned and important nuanced pieces to being able to navigate hard conversations with kids and have conversations around sexual identity with kids. This is big stuff and you can't do it perfectly. And I am so glad that Bevan came on and talked about doing it imperfectly and talked about how she went back and was able to have conversations and follow up conversations to make sure that she and her son could be in a good place and to make sure that she could really demonstrate supportiveness in the way that really would allow them to continue to build this really beautiful, open, vulnerable relationship that they have always had. So I'm so honored and excited to welcome Bevan Walters to the Shameless Mom Academy and also shout out to Scooter Walters who gave consent for this conversation. You are a strong and powerful young man, Scooter, and I'm so grateful for you. I know that this conversation will impact many lives. There are thousands of people listening to your story today. 
you matter, your story matters. And thank you, thank you for all that you are doing for the LGBTQ community. Bevan, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm really excited for this conversation and also very, very grateful because I know this isn't an easy conversation. It's a sensitive topic. So thank you for being here today. Well, thanks for having me. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio. We are recording in July. We are still in quarantine life. We were just before this talking about like, we don't know what's happening with life, world, schools, all of these things. So how are you doing? And what are you most excited about right now? It's okay to still be excited, I think. Well, you know what I'm honestly most excited about right at this very moment is that I have a new office from which I am doing my work, which is the hull of our family's teeny tiny little sailboat, which is currently moored in a marina just about 10 minutes away from our home. And this was a brainstorm my husband and I had a couple of weeks ago because I was having a big time struggle getting any work accomplished at home with all four of my children around. And I just need some space to think and work and be creative and get a little bit of self-care built in. And this has become my new happy place. And so you might hear a couple little weird noises, some seagulls, some bouncing up against the bumpers here and there. And that's because of where I am, you know, calling in from. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love it. I'm totally jealous. (laughs) Like I want to figure out how I can make my quarantine office be a boat. (laughs) It's pretty neat, I got to tell you. And then the other thing that I'm really, really excited about right now is the fact that like one of my job titles, for lack of a better term, has been removed. And that is since it's summertime, I am no longer my children's teacher's substitute teacher. Right. (laughs) I mean, I'm my kid's first teacher. Well, all parents are their kid's first teachers. And I 100% am proud and privileged to have that role. But I never signed up for this like substitute teacher for my children's teacher gig that we've all been navigating through remote learning. And that was really stressful. I'm really glad to have a break from that and just go back to my kid's first teacher and what that entails as opposed to trying to do somebody else's, you know, instruction, given these circumstances, not to say that teachers aren't incredible in the way that they were pivoting through all this. But boy, was it hard on the parenting front. Oh, yeah. And it's funny, because we're on opposite ends of the spectrum. I was trying to do distance learning with one child and make like be his whole entire social circle. And then you're doing distance learning with four children. And you didn't need to provide a social circle, I'm imagining since they have each other. But keeping track of four distance learning schedules and systems and ways of doing things, I cannot even imagine. Oh, it was something else. I mean, the age range of my kids in my household had high school, middle school, elementary school, and preschool all (laughs) happening simultaneously. (laughs) It was nuts. And honestly, I made so many mistakes and I failed miserably on many fronts. And I learned a lot. And should we return to remote learning next year for all our part? I have, I've learned so much and I'm ready to kind of dig in and improve our families, kind of the way in which we operated through that. And also just like, you know, face the reality that that could be in our future, very likely this coming year and not being like just in the complete depths of despair over that, but being like, okay, we got this, we got this, we could do better. And I'm not going to just be, you know, Eeyore about it. (laughs) 
Right, right, right. Oh my gosh, so many unknowns. So I want to switch gears a little because what we're going to talk about today, you actually, so you have a parenting podcast called The 3D Parent, and you did an interview with your son. And I have to tell you kind of how this even came on my radar. So you posted a post on social media in the month of June during Pride Month, and it was you and your son wearing the cutest shirts in support of pride. And so I was like, Oh, look at their cute shirts. And like, that's really all I thought. I was like, look at their shirts. And I wonder where they got them because I want one. And then I saw you had released a podcast episode. And the podcast episode was called preparing for your child's coming out. And then I thought, Oh, wait, did I just miss like not connect things with this social media post with the picture of you and your son. And so I went and listened to the episode and it was this really beautiful conversation with you and your son. And what was so amazing about all of this is that first of all, you position this episode around how all parents should be preparing for the potential that their children could come out as LGBTQ plus. And then you also shared that this was something that you had gone through with your family and that your son had come out and you talked about how what that experience was like, and he was part of the conversation with you. It was just an amazing conversation. And I was so touched. And I immediately sent you a message like, will you please come talk about this? Because I think it's so important. So let's start there. Let's start with why should all parents prepare for their children to potentially come out? And then we can talk more specifically about you and your son's story. Sure. Well, I don't know if you're like me or if other parents can relate. But, you know, when you have children, you're always kind of wondering, I wonder who my kid's going to become. I wonder what they're going to do in life. And a lot of times we think about, you know, oh, what kind of job they might have someday based on their interests or, you know, maybe are who they're going to marry, if they're going to get married, if they're going to have children, how many children, those types of little wonderings we have about our kids. And the reality is we don't really know. We just kind of have these ideas and things that we come to some level, like kind of conclusions or thoughts based on kind of what we're observing. But the reality is we don't really know what our kid, our children's journey in life is going to look like. And this might be a part of your child's journey. And it's our job as parents. And one of the things I talk about a lot with my clients, uh, my parent coach clients, and also on the 3D Parent podcast, is that one of our main jobs as parents is to kind of decode our children's behaviors and try to make sense of our kids and what's driving their behaviors and what's driving who they are. And as you kind of make sense of your kids and you get to understand them on a deeper level, you're also simultaneously trying to build this really deep attachment, this really deep bond and relationship with your children in an effort to create this deep and like impermeable attachment with your children where they feel safe and they feel deeply known by their parents. And because of that, they feel incredibly safe to share all that's within them, the good and the bad, the, you know, thoughts they've had, a mistake they've made, interests that they have and things they're discovering about themselves. So if you build that really, really, really strong foundation of attachment and relationship with your children, and it is completely all around this concept that we should all be striving for as parents of unconditional love and making sure children feel unconditionally loved. That includes all aspects of who they are, including potentially where this is in terms of their sexual identity and sexual orientation and gender and all things related to 
who your child might potentially reveal themselves to be in you getting to know them better. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, it's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. So knowing that this could possibly be part of your child's experience in life, it's important to kind of think through this scenario, this hypothetical, oh, what if my child or any of my children come out to me at some point in the future? And how might I respond to that? What might I say? Let me do some work ahead of time so that I'm ready for that. Should that be a part of my child's journey? I love this. And I think it's such an important conversation. What I realized in listening to your episode was that I've always thought like, if my child came out, I would be totally fine with it. You know, I would absolutely have no problem with it. And I think that I thought because of that, 
that I would just know how to have the conversation. <laughs> like, no, because I would be so supportive. But that also doesn't mean that you can't totally say or do the wrong thing or screw things up or like just not have all your ducks in a row. So I actually thought there's like that part. I think there's that side. There's people who are like, I would be totally fine with that. And I, you know, but also that doesn't make you qualified to have the conversation in a way that, you know, really supports your child fully um, without a little education. And then there's also on the other side of this, if you think, oh my gosh, like that would be horrible or awful or scary, or I wouldn't know how, what to say. Like there's multiple feelings around that. And then also looking at the capacity to carry a conversation or be supportive and show up in a way that you'd want to show up no matter what your feelings around the issue are. Absolutely. And I can totally relate to that. And that was totally me. I had thought through this. I had read, you know, articles and listen to podcast episodes on this. And I have gay friends and friends in the LGBT community and friends who have, you know, children who transition. And I was just like, oh, like, bring it on. Like, you know, I'm ready for this, you know. And then as you shared, like this became part of my journey. And I realized I still had work to do. And I didn't perfectly execute that conversation when it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, so I know that your episode was inspired by your commitment to support the LGBTQ plus community, and especially as that relates to parenting, but it was also inspired by your own sons coming out and how that happened. And can you talk about your initial reaction to your son and what that kind of how you navigated that all? Absolutely. So, you know, first and foremost, that podcast, I talked about that for a long time with my son and, you know, and said like, Hey, I kind of think I want to eventually do a podcast episode about this topic. What are your thoughts on that? And he was like, Oh, hundred percent. And then I asked him like, are you okay with me bringing our personal experience of this into the story? And he said, yes. And then I said, would you be willing to come on the podcast and actually be part of telling this story? And he was willing to, but we really uh, worked through all aspects of the story, what he was comfortable sharing and what he didn't want to share. And same thing before having you know, recording this episode with you, Sarah, I had the same conversation. So all this is 100% with my son's support and consent, which I really wanted to leave with that. Yeah, so important. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So in terms of that, that experience, it was an evening. My We'd already kind of tucked my son in. He was uh, 12 years old at the time. We'd already tucked him into bed, said goodnight. And my husband and I were, you know, taking in a little bit of TV and together time, which when one of our children interrupts that, it's not always met with <laughs> the warmest of responses. It's like, oh my gosh, what do you need now? <laughs> yes, I can so relate. You did not even need to finish the sentence. I totally understand. <laughs> and so here, you know, we've tucked in our son. We said goodnight. We're watching a TV show. And my husband often has, you know, pops on his laptop computer and kind of does a little bit more emailing while we're kind of hanging out. And he was kind of focused on something he was doing. And my son pops out and sits down on the couch and he says, you know, mom and dad, I really want to tell you something. And it's kind of a big deal. And then he immediately was emotional. And he said, I want to tell you that I'm gay. And I look at him and I look at my husband and my husband is still 100% hyper-focused on his computer. <laughs> oh my and I was like, um, hun, uh, you might want to pay attention right now. This is kind of, um, has got something really important to tell us. Um, stop 
first kind of like laughable moment right there that was just being uh honey why don't you close the laptop uh scooter's having conversation with us and again he now had to join that initial response which is like uh what do you need a glass of water and i said scooter can you repeat what you just said um because dad missed that and so he told us again and my first response was to immediately say to take my son's hand and say, I love you. And I'm so glad that you told us that and trusted us information. And then we started asking him some questions and trying to understand, you know, his process in understanding this about himself. One of those things that is a really key, important thing for all people to know is that when people come out, it's not something that they decided that day. Or like a minute or two, like, I'm going to go ahead and I've just recognized this within myself. And I'm going to tell you right now, like a half an hour ago, I realized this. Typically, it's something that's been evolving within a person as they're recognizing and making sense of their own feelings. And so it's something I've been processing for a little while. So I kind of started asking him some questions about, oh, you know, how long have you known this about yourself? And, you know, to kind of just trying to understand where he was on this journey of understanding so that I could quickly catch up to where he was in understanding that. So the initial reaction was to kind of, you know, express how much we loved him and, but then also to kind of like dig a little deeper, understand a little bit more about where he was so we could get kind of caught up on the same page. That makes a lot of sense. I love that you like had the instinct to immediately just be supportive and meet him with unconditional love. Because I think that that's how many of us would want to show up. But I also think that there would be a moment of like just tripping over words. Like, oh, hold on, what do I say first? And how do I organize my thoughts? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I did plenty of that. And I wanted to lead with like, the part that I think like, okay, I did this part well. <laughs> <laughs> I will reveal where I made some mistakes. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that. So is there anything you wish you would have done differently? And I know from listening to your interview that there's some things that you learned kind of after the fact. So what would you had done differently? And then also, what would you like to share with other parents who might be coming into these conversations in the future? Yes. You know, as I've kind of filled other people in on scooters coming out and, you know, kind of having these conversations with different people, close friends, family members, kind of sharing in kind of like helping with following scooters lead, but following his lead in terms of how he wanted to come out and how that process was going to look for us. One of the biggest things that I've heard over and over again was also one of the first kind of gut reactions that I had, which was, oh my gosh, is he old enough? to know this about himself already. And I think that right there kind of spoke to, in terms of, I've had this hypothetical thought and conversation with myself and with my husband through the years, but I had always kind of put this in my brain and head as like, oh, this might be something that my child, that happens with conversation or something that gets revealed to me as my child's parent when they're an adolescent when they were a teenager, I kind of had in my hypothetical, like, oh, maybe one of my children might be part of the LGBTQ community. I kind of had not even realizing it put this into like a conversation that we'd have maybe when they were in high school, maybe when they were in college, a little older, had a little bit more life experience, maybe had dated, but maybe had gone through puberty. These are the things that my brain had done without me even realizing it. And I realized 100% that had to do with some kind of biases and some of my own, you know, subconscious biases that I didn't even know I had. 
and work I still had to do. And I've been asked that question multiple times by, you know, loving, supportive, very LGBTQ, wear your pride t-shirt, you know, family members and friends. Like, is he old enough to know? How can he know? He's just 12. He's never dated. He hasn't gone through puberty or, you know, is just on the brink of puberty. Can he really know? And that was one of the big mistakes that both my husband and I made was saying like, you know, we 100% support you no matter what. But, you know, you don't need to know yet. You can keep the door open. You can keep on exploring this. And, you know, you don't have to right now, you know, definitively say that you are gay. You keep the door open. And I realized in saying that I was shining a bright, bright light on some of my own fears and biases that I had to deal with and and do a real quick catch-up job on and then immediately go back and repair and recognize and say, that was a big mistake. Of course, you know, you know, of course, you're not too young to know, but I needed to do some educating of myself about things that I just didn't understand because it's not been my life experience because I am heterosexual, because that is the cultural norm. And because I didn't have to kind of go through this process, it's not something that I could directly relate to. And so I made some mistakes. And that was the big one, letting kind of fear take over somewhat and letting my own bias kind of make some mistakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what that conversation was like? Because I think this is something just, this is like a parenting skill we could all benefit from in many contexts, not even in just in this particular kind of conversation when you're in a conversation that's so important and you flub a few things up and then you have to go back and repair that, how did you go into that conversation? And it sounds like you did some self-education and then you went back to him. And so can you just talk a little bit about what that looked like so that we can model it? (laughs) Because I feel like that's really important. Absolutely. And this is very, I did a whole episode on saying I'm sorry and apologizing Mm -hmm. and how to do that and how to teach children to learn to basically own their mistakes and to apologize and how to learn to be good apologizers, which is to be able to own your mistake and apologize and take responsibility without in any way, shape or form excusing it. And that's a tough one for many people. It's something that I'm still working on, you know, not related to LGBT, but like, let's say, you know, you've made a commitment not to yell at your kid, you lose your cool, you yell at your kid and, you know, you cool down a little bit later and you go up to your kid and say, gosh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I apologized, but you were pushing on my buttons and you were getting on my last nerve and I had a really hard day at work today and you were not taking my no for an answer and so that's why I did it. That's not a good apology. Yeah. (laughs) That is not teaching our child by example how to make a good apology. So I am 100% in my work as a parent coach on my podcast. I am advocating that you teach and you lead by example how to make a no buts apology. And so I had to come back to my son and say, you know what, when I questioned you about if you were too young to know this about yourself, that was a mistake. And I am so sorry that I brought that up because I know that communicated to you, like not trusting that you know yourself best. And I made a mistake and I am so sorry. And I'm sorry for any hurt that that caused you. And my son is incredibly soft hearted and he just immediately 
but he like, oh, no problem. I understand, mom. <laughs> you know, oh. We moved on real quick. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I've had to do that in other things on this topic and others with my children, like own my mistakes, go back, make amends and make it a good apology and no buts apology. Yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I think we all are like taking notes on how to apologize to our children and model apology. I love that. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask about one of the things that I loved about this conversation that I thought just spoke such volumes was in the interview that you did with Scooter, you talked about or you two talked about that he actually had shared with friends before you and your husband that he was gay and that he that was kind of not that he didn't think you and your husband were a safe place, but that that was kind of his first safe place. And mm. I thought that was really powerful. And I don't know that all kids would feel like they had that. So can you talk a little bit about his experience coming out to his peers? Because I thought it was like, so touching. But this is the community I want to believe my child is in as well, <laughs> in terms of like having something really big to share with friends and knowing that they have his back. So I loved this piece of it, if you could show that. Absolutely. So this was like initial conversation when fear kind of took over a little bit. Part of that fear was fear that my son was going to be picked on, fear that he was going to be experiencing, you know, bullying or mean comments or put downs by peers and other people in our community. And so part of that kind of instinct to be like, this is one of the mistakes I didn't mention, but one of the mistakes I made was basically not trusting my own son's instinct. And I didn't at the time realize that he had opened up to as many of his friends as he had initially. And so my instinct was to say, you know, bud, let's work through this. We're with you. We're supporting you. But let's keep this conversation within the bubble that is currently and figure this out together. And part of that was me saying, like, you know, I'm just worried about what is going to happen at school and by people who maybe may not be as open-minded as the friends you've already told are. And my son said, no, I think that people will be more accepting and more supportive and I'll be less the recipient of any type of bullying or judgment or comments made by my peers. I was not convinced that to be the case at the time, but I have uh, since kind of, again, course corrected and been like, buddy, this is your journey. This is your information and you are free to share it with whomever you want to share it with. You don't need my permission to do so. And so his experience sharing with his peers has been incredibly positive. That you know, kids, they jab each other, they tease each other about all kinds of things. And he was teased occasionally, as, as many kids are. And he was, prior to coming out, teased. And even kids had said within, because you, know, you know, had said things like, and like, oh, are you gay? You know, and things like that, because a lot of my son's friends are girls. And so there were um, some kids are saying like, gosh, you always hang out with the girls. Are you gay? And making comments like that. And that's actually what led my son to be really courageous and actually say, yeah, I am. <laughs> and I at the time didn't realize this was something he was experiencing. And like if I had known, I think I would have gone into full fledged mama bear mode. But in him sharing that with me and him sharing his instinct that, no, actually, if I come out, I don't think that's going to happen anymore. And that completely was the truth, that when he was open and came out and kind of word spread, he told his, his good friends first and then, you know, word spread and came around to like the wider circle of his peers in the school. He actually had a couple of kids in his class that were, you know, just classmates, not good friends, but who had before made some of those comments come up and say, 
you know, Scooter, I didn't mean those things. And are we good? Like, I'm sorry if I ever said anything. And that for me was, gave me so much hope in this generation of kids that like they came and they own their mistake and they apologized because what I recognize is that these kids are like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be in that category of somebody who's a bigot or is prejudiced. And oh my gosh, I've done those things. And oops, I did those things to somebody who is gay. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to apologize and make things right with this person. And that gave me a lot of kind of like helped me get over a little bit of that fear hump in terms of my son and his peers. And the other part on this story, I didn't share on my podcast, but again, I asked my son for permission to share his best friend who happens to be a boy. He was, my son was a little bit concerned about like, could this news affect? And his friend was the first or second person he told. And he was, you know, not sure how his friend would take this information. And he was supportive, but my son was still kind of trying to feeling out if this was going to impact their friendship. And he told me, like, you know, I'm a little worried that, you know, my friend is maybe being coming a little bit distant. And he was he's worried about that. And I said, you know, if I had just, you know, feel have those conversations, say, like, are we OK? I just want to assure you that nothing has changed. You know, have those conversations. And my son is beyond his years mature emotionally, which is a gift, especially when it comes to navigating this really tough, tough type of conversation. But this friend invited him over for a play date. Um, shortly after, like maybe two, three weeks after my son came out to us and he was kind of sharing this concern with me and his friend, he got over there and I encouraged my son to have this conversation with him and say like, are we okay? You know, I'm noticing a little distance or whatever. And he did have that conversation and, but it followed something that to me, like brings me to tears. His friends, when they came over to play it, he's like, Hey, let's watch a movie. And my son's like, sure. That sounds great. And his friend said, yeah, it's a great movie. I love, uh, it's one of my favorites. And I don't know if you've seen it before. It's called Love, Simon. And my son had never seen it before. And if you're not familiar with this movie, it is a story of a high school kid and his process of coming out. And my son's friend said, like, let's watch this movie together. And my son's like, sure, whatever. And then once he saw the movie, he completely understood why his friend suggested and said, like, let's watch this movie together is his friend's way of saying, I'm okay, we're okay, I support you. And that was so incredibly moving to me. And, you know, spoke volumes about who my son has chosen as friends. And again, trusting his instinct to, you know, come out and you know, in the way that makes sense to him and to kind of like, you know, he's chosen really good friends and they've shown that through their support of him. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like 
a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS. S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S. AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. That's like so the opposite of how I imagine 12 year old boys being (laughs) as a mom of a seven year old. (laughs) This is so amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Oh my goodness. So I know that your family, like mine, you have your kids in Catholic schools or in a Catholic school like us. And I always (laughs) joke about that. I'm like a Catholic filled with rage because it's not easy to be Catholic and it's not something I wear with pride. I was raised Catholic. I totally rejected it after growing up in Catholic schools. But I've actually come back to this point because we made the decision to put our son in Catholic schools. I've come back to this point of like, okay, there's things around the church that like I very strongly reject that make me so angry and frustrated. And then there's these pieces that really, really created who I am. And I actually think a lot of my sense of justice and a lot of my need for and desire for inclusivity and equity and all that, I actually think that comes from my Catholic upbringing. And so it's I get so conflicted. And so I'm curious about your family's religious affiliation and this journey and being in Catholic schools and how, like, did that play into those protective mama bear instincts and anything along those lines? Oh my gosh, Sarah, this is a huge topic and a big, big, I can completely relate to Catholic full of rage (laughs) for the church and the institution. I oftentimes have kind of explained to people who are like, wait, you're Catholic? Your kids go to Catholic school? I'm really confused. Because if they know me and know my values and they know what I stand for prior to having an openly out child, I was, you know, when we were voting towards, you know, marriage equality, I was part of Catholics for marriage equality groups. And like, there that exists, people. (laughs) And that's the thing. It's like, so a lot of people are like, wait, I've often drawn the parallel to being an American. I'm like, you know what? (laughs) Americans filled with rage. (laughs) Yes. This is my country. I'm an American. 
That does not mean I'm always proud of my country. Certainly not always proud of the leadership of my country. Yeah. But I'm not willing to bail and try and become a Canadian citizen. Yet. Yeah. You know, they're, they're... <laughs> right. Not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> One day at a time. Today, right. <laughs> I'm still an American and I'm going to use my voice and I'm going to stand up for my values and I am going to commit to being a voice for change. Similarly, that is how I've always kind of drawn the parallel to being a Catholic and having my kids in Catholic schools that, you know, yes, that's part of who I am and part of our family. And that comes with some good and some bad. And I would be lying if I didn't say that I've had one foot out the door at the Catholic Church the majority of my life since adolescence and definitely carrying into adulthood. And it's one of the many reasons is because of the church's teachings and general mistreatment of LGBTQ individuals, as well as, you know, all, I, the list is long, the horrifying, you know, the sexual predators and, you know, the role of women in the church. There's a long list of issues. I think we have the same list. We <laughs> <laughs> do. And the reality is that my husband describes it as we're part of a dysfunctional family. And when there's dysfunction within a family, you don't bail and abandon. You work for change. You work for healing. You work for growth. And so that is, I use two different analogies or big lovers of the analogies. And that's how I've described it. And that's where we are right now. I can tell you these things about my kids' particular school. Prior to this being part of my family's journey, I became aware of a family in the school who had a child who was transitioning from whose uh, gender signed at birth was male and who had always expressed gender, you know, in a way that you could kind of pick up on things like hair clips and, you know, before in a uniform, just like different ways that you're like, huh, I think there's something going on there for that child. Well, this child just went in, and I don't know all the stories, and this is their story to tell, but when this child was in second grade, a letter went home to the entire church community, you know, with the wishes of the family. It's explaining, we have a child, and this child is going to be wearing the quote-unquote girls uniform and you may have some questions and here's some information on this and your children may have some questions and here's some ways to support and answer these questions and after a summer break the child came back and had transitioned to female pronouns and a new name made her first communion in a white dress and a veil and the school was among the first if not the first in our archdiocese to advocate for this child to play in our you know CYO Catholic youth organization sports teams on the appropriate gendered teams and that for me I was like okay this aligns with my values, this school, and like, okay. You know, so that seeing that in action continued to give me, and I've told that story to thousands of people. They're like, what? Not maybe not thousands, but many people. And the church is very proud of being leaders within that, within Catholic schools. But that's not it, right? There was ongoing turmoil. I know you and I both were outraged by in a high school in our area with two teachers that were forced to resign when they went to administration and said, we're marrying our same gender partners. And, you know, Catholics and non-Catholics were outraged by this and spoke up and used their voices. But specifically with my child and my family, which is where this all starts, I did a good job of building a foundation within my family where my children know my values and know where we stand in terms of LGBT 
folks and how they've been marginalized and how that's wrong and how, but I did not do a great job or I didn't fill my kids in on the Catholic church and their treatment and their teachings on LGBTQ people. And so when Scooter came out to me, I was like, oh, I've got to do catch up real quick here. And I had to kind of fill that in. And at first, you know, his response was like, no, okay, I know Christians in general have, you know, used the Bible to, you know, can justify their homophobia, but not our church, right? Not, not our church. So his first thing was not to believe it. And then I had to tell him, you know, that our specific church is part of a bigger church and a bigger organization. And this is where the larger church stands. And then he said to me, and this is where I get really emotional. He said, so wait, I can't get married in the church that I grew up in if the person that I choose to marry is a man. And I had to say, not right now, maybe in the future, but I gotta be honest with you, buddy. I don't know that that's gonna happen in my lifetime or in yours. And to that, he said, but I'm confused. I thought it was a good thing to be gay. <laughs> and that a little bit spoke to his, how young and naive he was. And I said, but it's not good or bad. It's just a part of who you are. You know, there's good gay people and bad gay people. It's, it's just a part of who you are. You know, it's like the color of your skin, the color of your hair, the color of your eyes. It's just part of who you are. And it's not good or bad. And I said, but in my belief and my values, the treatment and marginalizing of LGBTQ people within the church, that is wrong. And that's what I stand for. And that's how I'm using my voice. But this is not, you get your own choice around this. And I said, we support our children and what they decide to do with this dysfunctional family <laughs> that we have brought them into. And whether they decide to stay within the church and fight from within or leave is 100% up to them. What's currently keeping me in the church, two things. The first is this organization, New Ways Ministry, which is led by a Catholic priest who happens to be a Jesuit. And they're the awesome rebels of the Catholic Church, and I adore them. <laughs> totally. Yes. And my oldest goes to your alma mater, a Jesuit uh, school institution. And this is an organization that is all about ministering to LGBTQ Catholics and building a bridge and making amends and trying to be a voice for change. And that has been what's helped me keep that foot a little bit more inside the door. And then the other is just my faith and belief and the ability for people and institutions and structures to change. But they're not going to change without voices, and particularly voices within those organizations. So that's just keeping me in right now. <laughs> <laughs> for today. <laughs> what happens tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, I so appreciate all that because I think that that's going to help this conversation for a lot of people listening. I think that there's just so much conflict and inner turmoil when we look at sexual orientation and religion and how we can put those things together and have hope and move forward and be advocates for change. So I really, really appreciate that. On a little bit of a lighter note, I would love to know, I know that you and Scooter had a little outing that was a step that you got to take together for you to enter the LGBTQ community in a little bit of, a, I don't want to say a formal way, but like in a fun way, but really like walking right into like gay pride and being a part of in the community of LGBTQ people. And so can you talk a little bit about what you did and what that experience was like for you? 
Absolutely. So yeah, right away, we just dug in and we, you know, we found our pride in a new way. Like we did as a family, we'd attended, you know, pride parades and events in the past, but felt very different last year. Um, we could actually attend events in person. <laughs> <Yeah. COVID. laughs> right. Um, and it felt very different. And I went to my first event with Scooter week or two after he came out, he was going to be at a summer camp during the Pride Parade in Seattle. And he was bummed about that. And I was bummed about that. So I like really quickly, I'm like, what else is happening in June, Pride Month? And I found that there was like this Pride Fest that happened. And I said, hey, bud, let's go to this. Do you want to go to this together? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And so we attended that together. And we kind of walked through it. And oh my gosh, I saw my son just feel so like, happy and like a part of something and proud to be a part of something. And I kind of got to walk through again, like my fear and facing my fear and look at things through his eyes and really, really like go full bore into coming out as a family and, you know, wearing our pride gear with true pride. And the t-shirt you referenced in um, that picture, that was inspired by a t-shirt I saw a mom wearing at that event. And immediately tears welled to my eyes. I was wearing sunglasses. My son didn't see it. And I'm kind of glad because I had my own work to do. And I kind of wanted to do catch up real quick without letting my son know just how kind of thrown off balance I was initially in finding my footing. But she had this t-shirt on that said mama bear. And it was a picture of a bear that the writing and the mama bear was in black. And then there was a baby bear that was, you know, in the rainbow pride colors. And I saw that tears welled my eyes. I immediately went to Etsy and got my own t-shirt. <laughs> that, that is, I was like, oh, that's a t-shirt. I mean, that speaks to me. And I get that. And that is who I am to my children. I am their mama bear and I'm walking right beside them on their journeys, whatever they may be. And, you know, we bought our pride flag. We did, we had some small pride flags, but we got a big mother pride flag that we hung in front of our house this year and we had neighbors and our my next door neighbor is our adopted gay grandfather and he's been a part of my kids life since they were itty bitty and he was like, oh thanks for hanging that flag and that's thanks you know but you know people are commenting even though you know we can't attend pride events in person there's still things we can do to kind of share with people this is what our family family stands for and then of course on my podcast you know bringing scooter on and sharing his voice was also really impactful Mm, oh my gosh i love it i love that you got to do that together and have that like such a impactful next step so short to him coming out i think it's so powerful i love it okay so we have just a minute left i want you to tell us where people so if you haven't, for those of you who have just been really consumed by the story, because I think this is such an important conversation and story, if you haven't also noticed, Bevan is an amazing educator. And so I feel like there's like 1 million parenting tips that were like on the under layer of this whole conversation. So can you tell people where they can find you? They can listen to your conversation with Scooter when you did a, an episode together. And then they can also learn more about the resources that you share within your own show and your own community and business. Absolutely. So yeah, my podcast, the 3D Parent Podcast, you can listen to my episodes there, including the one that we referenced in this. And you can find that every single platform that podcast can be found or even easier is to go to my website, the3dparent.com. And there's a link right there to my podcast and all the episodes and also ways you can contact me or if you're interested in working with me one-on-one in my parent coach practice, that's the best and easiest way to reach out to me and get in contact. And then I'm 
also on social media. I have the 3D Parent Facebook page. I have the 3D Parent Instagram. And then I also have a private membership community that just got launched recently, the 3D Parent Lounge, which is also on Facebook, where you can just join and be part of kind of a more intimate conversation with people who are kind of like-minded and want to kind of be supported in their parenting journeys. I love it. Thank you. Your resources are always amazing. You always have such great content. So I love all that. Okay. Can you tell us in one sentence how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? I am, yes, using my voice within my work as a parent coach, podcaster, and communities to speak up and, you know, quote, be the change that I want to see in the world, leading through example, messiness, and all. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh my gosh. And you're doing it in a way that allows so many other people to learn with you, which is just so, so significant and valuable. So thank you so much for being here, Bevan. I love this conversation. I'm really grateful. And please tell Scooter, thank you so much for giving the consent that he gave, because this conversation will definitely help other parents keep their children feeling safe and loved and creating a place where other kids can come out in a way that he did where he felt supported and loved throughout the process. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah, and for all the work you do in the Shameless Mom Academy as well. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt 
free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.